I was looking up uh, <laughs> some jokes last night. I was trying to get some jokes for today's sermon, which I don't normally do, um, but about multiplication and stuff like that. So in the end, there's so many things that, that I looked at, the puns and stuff like that. Uh, but to sum it all up, there's really nothing to take away. <laughs> no, I, I, the, 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 come on, guys, that deserves more laughter than that. <laughs> no, there's so many things going through my head this morning, all the different things I could, could do and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> things just don't add up sometimes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I wanted to talk about the expansion of God's kingdom this morning. I think this is something that we really need to, to keep in mind as Christians, you know, um, especially when we, we are operating in an environment, actually, of fear at the moment, where there is a tremendous amount of fear and doubt and talk about bad things and, and stuff like that. And to just think about the kingdom of God, what's it all about? Because um, without the purpose, there's no point, right? If I look at what we have here today and looking back over the history of Cornerstone, how we started out um, on the back veranda, few people meeting, uh, moving to Howard Hall, actually Whitewood Hall, down on Whitewood Road, uh, moving over to Howard Hall, moving to the school over there, the Howard Springs Primary School. That gets louder and louder. <laughs> Stop moving over there to the Lutheran school and then over here. Um, God's been amazing in blessing us. You know, as I think back to those early days and, and you're sort of, it's not like um, wondering, you know, how many people turned up today? It's, it's more wondering if anyone will turn up today. You know, you're sort of standing there and it's right on church start time and you're thinking, okay, there's three of us. <laughs> but where two or three are gathered, Jesus is there in the midst. But then people would turn up and God was amazing in growing Cornerstone. And the, point of whole, the whole point of that was to build a community of people with faith. And a strange time because you're getting people from all different backgrounds and churches that are coming together. Um, when, when we first set up, it was very much like, well, where doesn't have a church? Howard Springs doesn't have a church. Let's go there. So great planning process. You know, we, we <laughs> the church planting team was, hey, let's do this, you know, like without too much great thought, but the feel that that's where God wanted us, that somehow we were being led by the Spirit of God to do something in Howard Springs and, and build a church, understanding that God builds a church, but to make disciples, people that genuinely love God and are called to his purpose. And so we moved around and... and you know, there comes a point in church life where it's really, you know, well, how big's big enough, a lot of people will say. You know, how many people do you want at the church? Well, my, my thing is, well, how many God wants to come? How many people do you think God wants to save? How many people do you think God wants to pull out of the kingdom of darkness and put them in the kingdom of light? I have a feeling that it's far more people than we think about you know, how we sort of get trapped in that mindset of, well, I'm comfortable, I'm, I'm happy, I'm, you know, there's this, this group of us people, we get on really well, but what if God really wants to do something in this community? And I think back to the days of Pentecost, you know, and I was just reading through something this morning and it was like, 
and 3,000 were added to the church that day. We'd be in bizarro world, right? <laughs> hey guys, uh, this morning there's 3,000 extra people at Cornerstone. Um, it's great that we've set up our systems so that we were ready for that. We were expecting what God would do. But the truth of the matter is that most of the time we've got no idea. We really have no idea what God wants to do and we certainly don't have the mindset to think as big as God thinks. Now even when it goes to, you know, that he can do far exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or that we can even think that, that we're trapped in a mindset of humanity that, that sees little, that sees problems, that sees doubt, that sees fear, that sees the, the damage that it's going to do to my world if God actually does do something that I'm going to have to change, that I'm going to have to adapt, that I'm going to have to run after God. And so often we think that he's running after us. You know, the, 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 are we ever going to be prepared? I doubt it very much. I remember listening to one guy who was talking about his church that had been um, quite amazing, the growth that had happened in his church, and he said, I would hate to think that we would run seminars of how we did it because honestly, we have no idea. We have no idea, but God did something. And all we could do is respond to the favour of God and the blessing of God and what we did because we were faithful in loving him and loving people the way that God wanted us to. And it was God that commands a blessing, not us through our smartness, our development, our plans and, and all those sorts of things that can, can move God. God's already wanting to move. He's moved when people are committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, which is establishing his kingdom wherever they are. That's part of our mandate as a church, you know, like bringing people, like sharing them God's message of life, bringing them into God's family teaching, equipping them to grow in faith and love, you know, equipping them to go out and share their message wherever they are. That's, that's the point. That's the purpose. And I guess really like when I look at that, it's like without the purpose there is no point. We may as well not gather if Christ is not the centre of what we do. The commitment that we made as a church, I think it was about... Oh, Six or seven years ago at least, see, 2014, we started to gather funds together to build the church here. But without the purpose, there's no point. This building is not a monument that we can come and, and gather in and think about, you know, we're so great we built a building. The, the point is only here because of the purpose. The purpose is to share the message of God to people, to bring them into the kingdom. And so we need a facility. We're like, we need a facility that can, can allow for growth to happen however God would want it to be here in Howard Springs. I remember someone said to me once, oh, there'll never be a church of a thousand in Darwin. Whether there is or isn't, it doesn't really matter, right? Well, it does. The size doesn't matter. But, but the point was like, you know, basically we can't believe for anything that big. I mean, I think I answered him at the time, probably a bit, you know, smart aleck, you know, well... Maybe not in Darwin, but Howard Springs there will be. <laughs> and, I, and I don't even mean it like, you know, let's arrogantly go for people. No, let's, let's pursue people for the sake of Christ. You know, why should we put a limit on anything? All we can do is position ourselves the best as we can for the move of the Spirit of God because people need Jesus so much. 
Do you think the broken families around the place need him and Christ in their life? Do you think your broken family needs Christ? Do you think the orphans and the widows need people loving them? Of course they do. Do you think those that, that are struggling with emotional wreckage need Jesus Christ? I think they do. I know I need him. I know that it's the good news that Jesus Christ died for my sin, that he not only died for my sin, he was buried and rose again so that sin didn't have power over me, that I could live a righteous, holy life, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that I have the Holy Spirit walking alongside me every day that can help me make great decisions in life. I'm sure I need him, and I'm sure other people do. And, and without the purpose, there's no point. The point is always defined by the purpose, and the purpose is always the kingdom and what God wants to do. And sometimes we have this mindset that the kingdom of God is really quite small. You know, like we will get that message, and I understand it. You know, there's so much going on around here. How can possibly God break through? Look at society. It's going to the wolves or whatever it is you say. We don't have wolves here, so why do we use that? Going to the dingoes. <laughs> but there is, right? In our head, we're like, we've got this mindset as though the church of God is actually a powerless, limpid thing that can't do anything, yet behind these people of God is a power so great that it raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and that is exactly the same spirit that lives in us. But I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know if that's what God wants. What does God want? Maybe he wants us to contract in this world, yet... I can read what Jesus said, and he said, don't hide your light under a bushel. Take it off, take like a bushel, like a basket or something that covers over the light. Let's just hide away from all what's around us, but as soon as you take that off, light and darkness cannot coexist. You can't turn on the darkness switch, and light disappears, but you can turn on a light switch, and straight away darkness disappears, and that light is the life of men, which is Jesus Christ. And he said, you are the light of the world. Me and you, we're the light of the world. In other words, that God's placed us here so that there can be light to those that were in darkness, that, to give light to those in darkness, to give them a way out, to show them that, that beyond this world there is a greater purpose of living, of being, and that is him and his kingdom to establish that on this earth. From the very beginning, we see with Adam and Eve, it was go forth and multiply. With Noah, when he came out the ark, he said, go forth and multiply. With Abraham, in multiplying, I will multiply you. And no different for the church today, there is a call from God to multiply. Which means we have to understand the purpose that gives it a point. I would hate to think that we did anything without looking for future in mind. I'd hate to think that as a church we don't want to engage with community and be, be a light in this place. Like I was thinking about vision of this church and I, and, um, I won't share it all with you today, but, but really the challenge that I was doing in this study was your vision should almost be unattainable. And your vision is not what you're doing right now or we're building a building, that's not your vision. The vision is something that that you look out beyond what you can see right now and you're seeing your future the way that Jesus wants it to be. See, what would the, the vision for Cornerstone be for me? And in my head, and we're going to be working through this with committee and ministry team, 
what we think our vision is, but I'm like, my vision would be to see every single part of society touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's unattainable, right? It's going to happen one day. Jesus is coming back and he's going to establish his kingdom here on earth officially and he's going to rule and reign. But, but what about now? Can I lift my eyes just a little bit higher than my belly button and look out to see what God might want to do? Can I really believe beyond what I see right now and say, actually, my heart is to see this whole society change because Jesus Christ, his power, his kingdom is being established through us as Christians living out the gospel life, being obedient to him, trusting him, working and praying for, for God's salvation for people, for being on fire and being absolutely passionate about the King of Kings. Because if we're building anything else, it's just going to crumble in the end. The day I die, everything I own, everything I have becomes dust to me. I become dust myself. And God's saying, what are you doing with your life? What's your life all about? Self-serving? Building my business? Building my empire? Building my family? Building this, building that, building everything else, but neglecting the kingdom of God? It's actually not that important to me. The purpose is that we bring many sons into glory, which is the purpose of Christ, that he brings many sons into glory. And I just want to just have a quick look at a verse in Isaiah chapter 9 and really looking at verse 7, but we're going to read verse 6 as well. Just about how this, this the whole thing about Christ's kingdom is that it's meant to expand, to grow. So this is a, a verse, and obviously it's talking about the coming of Christ here. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's a little bit hard to read, right, in some ways. But the thing that really grabbed my attention and what it would say in another version is this, of the increase of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus came to earth to establish that kingdom, the beginning of it, to grow it, to get the, the, the life of God back to earth. And for us, this mindset of decrease is not acceptable because God is all about increase. We're not just talking about numbers. That's the nothing thing. But we're talking about the governance, the rulership, the kingship of Christ in people's life and over our society that, that we might see him move in an amazing way. And right here as I read that, it just said to me that Jesus came to establish a kingdom that is meant to grow and expand and infiltrate every single part of my life and the lives of those around me. And we don't want to stop him. We want to be part of his plan 
here on earth. We want to work together and commit ourselves to that purpose of what God has called us to. And this is the thing that I've battled over many years from different people at different times. Why do we need to grow? That's not a good question at all. It doesn't even make sense. Because there's people going to hell. And if we're not interested in increasing the number of people in the kingdom, however it might be, whatever God has for us, I don't know what it is. I do know, though, he wants many sons and daughters and for people to come into that kingdom. And what are we going to do about it as a church? There are seasons for everything, right? Would, would you agree with that? That um, <laughs> I guess on earth it's pretty obvious, isn't it? We've got wet and dry here and the Aboriginal calendar has different seasons as well added into that. But down south we'd have summer, autumn, winter, spring. There's seasons where things happen. No different with churches. We've had some, some great seasons in the past where with growth and, and even like lots of money in the bank ready to go, but the purpose was there because we, were, we had a purpose behind it. The, the point was we needed that to build this building. And we did it. We, we gathered the money together. That was the time, that was the season. And now we're entering into a different season which is going to set us up for an amazingly fruitful season coming ahead. We're going to be talking about that. And, and we had back then, we had a wood collection day. We're going to have a debt-busting day um, in the middle of February where we're going to be looking at it together as a church and saying how are we going to release us from what we have right now because down the road it's going to free us up for so many things. Now, we know ministry takes place anyway. I was so excited the other day. Joanne, my wife, she uh, read out um, something that she saw, I think it was on Facebook, um, which really excited me. You might know that we've had a long association with Howard Springs Primary School. You've got Karen, the chaplain there. She does an amazing job, honestly. They would kill us if we took her out. They come and burn down the building and hunt us down. No, <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> that's Bob, Karen's husband. He knows. But we've been attached with them for many years doing stuff. And, and of course, with opening the cafe, which is, again, the, there's a purpose behind that. It's not to make a cafe. That's insignificant. It really doesn't matter. We don't want a cafe for a cafe's sake. The purpose is how do we reach community? But, but someone was at a prayer meeting the other day and they were sharing with the people around them and they said, you know what, um, I've got a friend, someone at Howard Springs Primary School and they were saying this email that went out to the teachers from the principal was like, hey, Cornerstone's opening a cafe. We need to support them because they've always supported us. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> 100%. Now we didn't do it to get support. It's never the point. Like I said, the purpose is to just serve God and serve people. But God honours that. I can tell you right now, this building and Food for Life, that was one of the ministries we've always wanted to do on a Tuesday that, that would allow people to come in and sit in a cafe area and get, get a, a barista-made coffee for people who would never get a barista-made coffee. He could sit down and chat with people. I know that when COVID was on, there were three guys that come to uh, Food for Life all the time and the first 
weekend they closed down uh, Food for Life because of that. They came into the church and I said to them, hey, fellas, I'm sorry, but Food for Life isn't open today. Would you like a cup of tea? They leave two hours later chatting with me in the office. Why? Not because they were after food, but they were after the fellowship that they could get with Christian people, I guess. (laughs) Someone who took an interest in their life and was saying, you know what, we care. No point without purpose, but the purpose is that I want to engage, I want to love, I want to be there, I want to chat with you, I just want to be part of your life. The other day, a a guy doing um, some motorbike riding out in the car park, because there's a um, motorbike mob that (laughs) train people there, and he's doing it, and I got an email from him to Isaac and someone else, and honestly, it's really hard to read, you could not even understand it. But basically the gist of it was this, no one ever talks to people like me. But Isaac, he didn't, it must have been, he must have known it was Isaac. He said, this church, we got a free, I got free motorbike lessons and, and Isaac came and he talked to me and he brought me into the church and he made me, I think it was a hot chocolate that Isaac made him, I didn't know that until I talked to Isaac about it and sat down and chatted with me. And these are the things, there's got to be a purpose for there to be a point. But sometimes we have to work hard to allow God to do something bigger than what we would like him to do. To open up and expand the way we think and the things that we do so that that we're looking beyond the now to the future. Everything we do has to have a purpose or it's got no point. And for us as Christians, the purpose has to be the kingdom of God, right? Has to be. If you're living this life for any other purpose, you are failing in your call as a Christian. It's as simple as that. And there's great power in people coming together as a church and living out the gospel and loving one another and committing and wholeheartedly supporting what God is doing and allowing God to build the kingdom. It's an amazing thing. And the problem is, though, sometimes because because visions are so long and large, what God actually plants, it takes a long time to get there. Like we've been talking about Lifehouse for years, like literally over... Over 10 years, probably, maybe not quite that, but at least that. About what we want to see, what we want to do. But before that, there's often that preparation period where where, we're waiting for the vision to come to pass because the visions are for appointed times when God's ready right now, let's move, go. And so we prepare ourselves ready to launch out into whatever God has for us. So, of course, there's preparation. But as Proverbs says, you know, you can prepare the horse for battle, but the victory belongs to God. He does things far more than we could think. But what he doesn't do is do it for people that are stubborn, rebellious, and obstinate. In fact, the Bible says that the stories of those people in Egypt, they were written before time so that we today could actually learn from what had happened. And he said, don't be like them. Don't be like those stubborn people in the, in the wilderness that drew back from God's promises for, through lack of faith. 
And then it says, God does not delight in such people. God doesn't delight in people that lack faith. He delights in people that trust him and move forward into whatever God has for them. That's for us to do, us as a church. You see, it's very possible, personally for myself, that I'm not around in five or six years at this church. I don't know, I might be here till I'm 100. But what if God has something else for me? This church doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the committee that manages it. The church itself is not the building. The church is the people that come and commit their lives to Christ. And not only that, it's the generations that follow after our generation that hopefully we've established something that allows them to to be more free in what they do. We do the hard work and I know what God's called me to. I often feel that I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I just have to go and plough. That's your job, Neil. You get in there, you plough, you move hard, you let someone plant the seed, let it grow, and someone will come behind and they'll enjoy everything. (laughs) And I sometimes feel like that's what God's called me to, but there will be a time coming when that's not what I'm to do anymore. But I'm to sit back, not relax and be lazy, but a time when God's saying, enough. You've done enough now. It's time for the mantle, whatever, the baton, whatever it is to be passed on. And you're here for a different reason in a different season. And this church is not built on a person. It's not built on a building. It's not built on a committee. The church is built on men and women of God that choose to be one that choose to love each other, that choose not to criticise, that choose to support one another, that choose to live in integrity, that choose, choose to trust God 100% with all their heart, their mind, their soul, that they love him. We don't have time for anything else like that to distract us from the truth of what God has for us. God wants to use this church. He wants to use every church. I could give a prophecy. God wants to use this church to do amazing things. I could go into any church and I could guarantee that would be 100% true in every single church. Of course God wants to use this church. Of course he does. I don't even need to be a prophet to prophesy that. Really what God asks is, do you want to be used by him? Are you that person? You're that person that's like you're willing to give up whatever it is that's stopping you, things that are holding you back from doing what God's actually asking you to do. Good excuses, right? Jesus talked about it. He says you've got to give up things to follow me and you know, he goes and talks about somebody got married and well, I'm going off because I just got married I don't have time for you. I'm, I'm busy with my business, another one. I just bought a a field, I've got to go and inspect it. A funeral. Now, God's not saying don't go to funerals, don't get married, don't buy fields. What Jesus was saying was this, that if the kingdom of God not not more important, that if you are not seeking God, his kingdom above all else, 
there's a problem. And the purposes of God become established on people in people of faith. You know, I'd love, I'd love a billion people in this room. Well, probably couldn't fit. But, <laughs> you know, what do we need to do? Wouldn't it be more exciting to go, God, I don't know what we're going to do. There's 200 more people here this week than last week. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Is there a group of people here, Christians, that can you love and just get around these guys and invite them into the family? I'm not, it's not up to the pastor. It's up to you. And then you're just sort of getting alongside people and, hey, this is what we do as Christians. We go to prayer meetings. We read the Word. We take a meal around to someone when they're sick. We pray for the government. We pay our taxes. We're, we're honourable and righteous when we see our friends and even our enemies in the streets. We say good day because we're, we're not holding grudges. We're not unforgiving. We've got God's peace on our life. Hey, if you just hang around me, you'll see that's what we do as Christians. This is just normal. People say something about organised religion and, and how bad it is, I agree. Because the problem is that people want the church to organise everything. Can you pick my friends for me? Can you make sure that, you know, I'm looked after? Can you make sure that someone speaks to me if I'm somewhere rather than me being bold enough to step out of myself? It's your responsibility. No. This is us. It's your responsibility. All I am is the preacher here because God made me the preacher. If he wants to kick me off the stage tomorrow, I should go. This holds nothing to me in terms of prestige or honour or anything. It's God's mandate for my life at this time and I need to be obedient to that. But you know what? I don't love people because I'm the pastor. I'm pretty sure I loved people before I was a pastor. I'm pretty sure I went to prayer meetings before I was a pastor and, and home groups and encouraged people and loved them and visited them the best I can. And of course, we've all got limits to what we can give. The problem is when only one person's giving, they just collapse. There's a limit. It's funny, I was watching something last night and <laughs> even though it's obviously not true, the guy said... When everyone holds up the sky, no one gets tired. And I was like, you don't hold the sky up. Right, we get that. It's not true. <laughs> but the point behind that is so amazing, isn't it? You know, we see burnout in Christian leaders and, and Christian ministries and things like that because they're trying to hold the sky up by themselves. It's this weight of what everything is and, and people expecting them to hold even more. It's like, can you just hold this as well? This is your responsibility. You do this, you do that, yet God's calling us as a body to love and serve one another. It's never up to one person. It's a group of people that God has placed together to work together to build his kingdom together. And when we get to that place of unity and understanding and love for one another, the kingdom of God, it's just going to explode. 
Because we know the Bible says where my brother, where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, there God commands a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> you know how God commands? Let there be light. And there was. I heard someone say the other day, again, they're just sort of a bit tongue in cheek, but then they're talking about God cannot lie. They're saying, of course you can't lie because if he said the moon was blue, it would be. <laughs> you know? That's him. The moon's white. And God just says, no, nah, the moon's blue, and it's blue. Like, that's how God is, right? <laughs> the power of him. Now, if I was me, and I am, <laughs> I'd like to be in a place where God's commanding a blessing, wouldn't you? Because I'm pretty sure I could not overwhelm that blessing, that, that I would be standing before that blessing like a tidal wave of God's love and grace coming towards me that I can't outrun. And Psalm 23 talks about that too. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And when you actually study that out, it means they will pursue me and overtake me. I, I, I want, do you want that? Yep, yeah, I want that. So let's look at a couple of other verses just about even the multiplication. Now, in the, in, this is in Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because, of their, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Then the word of God spread. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. Let me just put up those other, I think it was two verses on another slide. Is there? It's just talking about the disciples' meeting and how they met together in Acts chapter 2. And then it says, And praising God, and having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. In Acts five fourteen, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Can you see here what God wants to do? He wants wants to multiply. He wants to add. And this was happening now. This is in a time when persecution was great. Do you really think our persecution is less than the Roman Empire and a religion, Judaism, that was actually at the time persecuting Christians as well? What did God do? As the word of the Lord grew, disciples were multiplied. Pretty good, right? And so our job is to allow God's blessing to come, really, because the Lord added, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. There's a spiritual connection that happens, and it has to happen, and only God can do it. 
We can build a club, but we can't actually unite people into God's family without his spirit. And that's our job here. Father, I just want to thank you so much that you have given us the opportunity to be part of your kingdom. Lord, as we're looking to the future for Cornerstone, what will it bring? I don't know. But if we stay humble and true to your calling, all I know is that you promise that goodness and mercy shall follow us. They will pursue us and overtake us. And Lord, if we choose to, to dwell in unity, you're going to command a blessing. We don't want to miss it, God. And I just pray, Father God, that you would strengthen us in spirit and soul. Lord, to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, to, to believe in your kingdom, to believe that you can actually do abundantly above what we ask or think. Because you are a miracle-working God. And we just want to bless you for that. In Jesus' name. Now, just before I close, I just wanted to share also one of the prophecies from uh, that, that was given to us by, now I've forgotten his last name for some reason, David from Compassion. Anyone remember his last name? David what? Halyard. Halyard, yeah. And we were meeting as, as leaders and he was there and he said, you know what I feel like God's saying? He said, this church is going to be a church that welcomes people who fit nowhere else, basically, that are broken, that they will feel loved and accepted and know the love of God. I like that prophecy. Because <laughs> that's what we want, isn't it? To be that place where people can actually come into God's family. Let's hold fast to those things. And there's been others over the years, but just that's one that really sticks in my mind as well. Um, anyway, let's stand and worship God, eh? Perhaps maybe today you need to recommit yourself to him um, and just say, you know what, God, I just want to live for you. Maybe you feel a little bit like you've, you've left him, you've left the purpose so there's no point in anything that you do. How about you recommit yourself to him now as we worship? Um, perhaps you've never become a Christian. God wants you in his family so badly. He sent Jesus to die for you. And, and maybe you've been listening today and thinking, I really need to be a Christian. I just want to pray a prayer and ask you to pray with me and invite him into your life. And then you to talk to your friend that you came with or someone you know that's here or come and see me at the front. We're going to walk together in the next steps. that's you just pray with me now father i'm sorry that i have not been your child that i haven't loved you like i should please forgive me today i thank you god you sent jesus to die for me lord i pray that you come into my life today forgive me of my sin and restore me to be part of your family as a child pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fill me today, that I might be strengthened in faith. From this day on, I just want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you do want prayer for anything, the front is open for prayer always.